The following audio is from Central Christian Church located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwire.org.
Good morning. Good morning. Isn't it so amazing to be in the presence of a great God? Okay, so I'm going to start off with a question, just a show of hands. Who has friends? Okay. If you didn't raise your hand, either one, you're lying, or two, that's just pretty sad. Like, and I'm not asking who has, like, a best friend that they see, like, every single day. Who just has a friend that they talk to? Well, today I'm going to talk to you about a group of guys that changed my life. So the year is 2018, and I signed up for cross country. We didn't have many people because, you know, not a lot of people find running fun. But there were a couple of us, and we were a motley crew is the best way to put it. So I'm going to tell you a story about these guys. Uh, We went on a long run, and that's where you go far away from the school and away from all adult supervision, responsible adult supervision. Um, So I'm only a freshman at the time. The rest of the dudes, there's like one sophomore, and the rest are juniors and seniors. And most of the time we pick like certain paths we go on. Either it's shady, or there's no dogs, or it's a shortcut. And we developed these paths, and most of the time we ran past this one house, and there was an RV and a house, and the dog, there was a dog tied to the posts. And we ran past this all the time, and the dog always lost its mind when we ran past and these guys I ran with, they were brilliant. Like, here's an idea. Um, when I was a freshman, we stopped at a gas station in Artesia, and they tried to get me to drink a five-hour energy before the race because it would make me go faster. Yeah. But anyway, we ran past this house one day, and they said, Hey, Cody, you won't run between the house and the RV with the dog. And I said, You're absolutely right. Then with a little bit more convincing, I decided, Okay, we'll try it. Because I had to impress them, because I was the youngest. They're always, you know, making fun of me that I'm scared and stuff like that. I'm like, what's the worst that could happen? So I run between, and so, like, there's, like, the water gutter, and I'm running in between, trying not to touch the yard. But the one day I decide to do it, the dog's not hooked to the porch. The dog proceeds to chase me for six blocks until I find an empty dumpster to jump into. Bad thing is, I'm a freshman, and I'm 5'1", so the dumpster hits me here. So then the guys, I hear them coming. They scare the dog off. Then they have to pull me out of the dumpster. Luckily, it was empty. I don't know how I even got in there. Like, I don't know how I made the clearance. Maybe that's just adrenaline. Now, I will give these guys some credit. Yes, they were ruthless. Yes, they made me mad sometimes that I couldn't even stand it. I'd get in the truck after practice and be like, you'll never guess what they did. But, you know, they were awesome. One time I fell, and they carried me all the way back to the high school. One day in eighth grade, they picked me up, and so I felt, like, awesome. Like, the high schoolers came and picked me up. Oh, sorry. So, while they're ruthless, sometimes you have to find the good and the bad. I don't think I'd be the person I am today without them, because they taught me how to take words from people and just brush them off. Uh, and not to mess up my day and every single day to the best I could be and nothing less. Every person God puts into your life, he puts there for a reason. If that's for knowledge or a person who will help you through a tough time. But they are there for a reason. Sometimes people might get on your last nerve, but you need to look deeper at what they're going to do for me or vice versa. I had a coach tell me, this kid, the sport does not need this kid. The kid needs the sport. Uh, Proverbs 3.27 says, It It is God's job to place specific people into our lives that need help, and it is also his job to give us resources to help these people. 
We just need to be faithful to act in those moments with what he give, he's given us, and we can let him take care of the rest. So I always like to give you a little task. This week, that coworker or family member that absolutely gets under your skin, just for a little bit, try to understand the situation and love those people with all you have. Bow your head. Our dear most gracious Father, we come to you right now and we thank you for this day and we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to come together and praise and honor you in all that we do. And we hope that through this next week we strive to be the best people we can be and to spread your word and your love and everything we do and everyone we meet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Have you ever wanted to escape, especially to a place like that? In June of 2020, in the middle of COVID, the Prime Minister of Fiji, a guy named Frank Bayanaramarama something or other, I can't pronounce his name. No, I'm not trying to be offensive, I just can't pronounce his name. He is the Prime Minister of Fiji. They make all of their money on travel, and nobody was traveling. And so he, he put out an interesting offer. This is the press release he gave. He was looking for a few VIPs to shelter in place. In paradise, if you've taken all the necessary health precautions, bear all associated costs, have your own private jet and willing to pay, you can escape the pandemic in paradise. Problem. Not a lot of us have spare jets laying around. Not a ton of us are billionaires. And so there weren't a lot of takers. But it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, if I'd have got that deal, I might have been over there hoping you never found an answer to COVID. I'd have just stayed there on the beach just the whole time. To escape the place you're in, the predicament you're in, the situation you're in, while watching the sunset on a private beach. But what if it's worse than just shelter in place? What if it's really a bad place you're in? We're in this Point of Impact series. It's going to go all through the summer. We're looking at stories in Scripture because we want to be people of the Word. We're looking at stories and how how people were impacted when they came in contact with Jesus or when they learned about the, the care of God. We're going to be in Acts 16, and I'd love for you to join me there. It's a familiar story, but it's written in first person. It's, I saw this, I, and, and I think that's really neat. But I want you to be thinking as we're reading through this, how do you react when your story goes a little hinky or a lot hinky? Join me in Acts chapter 16. If you're online or on the radio, thanks for tuning in to Central Christian Church in Portales. We're starting in Acts 16. I'm reading from New Living Translation. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered So they grabbed Paul and Silas, dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We are all here! The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. 
Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in the household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. May we be encouraged by reading Scripture together. We're people of the Word. But I want us to go back and look at some things. There are lessons here, and they may not wait for us to understand them. Franklin used this slide last week, and it's powerful. Sometimes it's happening, and it's not waiting for you to figure it out. Look at how this story plays out. You're in prison for doing your job. Not for murder, not for grand theft auto, not for doing anything terrible, but for being nice to people. And that's got to be a ripoff. And it would be natural to want to scream, hey, this isn't fair. And then there's this slave girl that comes into the story. Now, she is a slave girl. She might be Roman. She might be Greek. We don't really know. The Romans are running this. But you need to understand some parts of this story that are kind of ugly. This is a person that was, in our vernacular, trafficked. We hear a lot about sex trafficking in our culture, in our world. That's exactly what is happening here. She was taken for a purpose, and she had a spirit within her. And some of the versions that you're reading has a spirit in her that allows her to tell the future. She is not, this spirit is not an angel, but a spirit from a bad source. And right out the gate, we're talking about demon possession. Wow, that's you're coming in hot, Donna, okay? I get it. And we need to understand, this is not just some run-of-the-mill story. This is very heavy. This is not just a girl had a bad day, and Paul walked up and waved his hand, and everything went bad. Or went better. This is a bad situation dealing with demonic possession. And I want you to note another phrase that happens in this story, and it happens in verse 18. It says, note this phrase, this went on day after day. And what went on is this girl kept saying, these people are from uh, the Most High God, and they're here to tell you how to be saved. Now we read that, and it sounds like, why did they get mad at them for saying that? That's a pretty good thing to say. I got a hunch there was a lot of sarcasm in there. There might have been some way, oh, look at these people. They're from the Most High God. You know what I'm saying? That they were saying it with some some anger. And it went on, but this phrase, day after day, over and over. I loved what Cody had to say today. Anybody got, uh, anybody ever had a little brother? You know, those those moments with the little brother that you know, they just pester you and bother you and and annoy and and, and 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 then mom he's not touching me you know it's one of those things right it just goes on and on and on day after day and it said paul was exasperated i wanted to read this story as paul and silas were walking along saw this girl zapped it moved on this happened over a period of time This was an annoyance over days. Question, do you have someone in your life that bugs you? That bugs you for days? 
Please understand, I am not saying they are demon-possessed, okay? I want to be, be real clear. You're not quoting me like Don said. No, 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 no. I'm not saying they're demon-possessed, but I'm saying they might be annoying you. I wonder if Paul is teaching us a lesson in between the lines here. One of the greatest gifts that a Christ follower has is the gift of long-suffering. Isn't that a great word, long-suffering? It, de- it defines itself. It's somebody that puts up with. It, it's, you see, Paul doesn't engage with this girl. He doesn't argue with her. He doesn't give her tracts and say, you need to read this, because we're going to have a theological discussion on, on the aspects of demon possession. No, no. He doesn't engage her. He tolerates her. Now, tolerate is a loaded word in our culture, isn't it? Some people really, really like that word. Some people really, really hate that word. There's days I like it. There's days I hate that word. Okay? It's a hot topic in our culture. But Paul proved it right there. He, he put up with it. He tolerated something that was against him. It was a, he tolerated something that was against his belief system. And when, when he couldn't tolerate it anymore, he called on the power of God. Not the power of his opinion, not the power of his attitude. He called on God, and he deals with her problem spiritually. He learned that from Jesus. Jesus did that all the time. People would come to him with physical ailments, and he would say, your sins are forgiven. Remember when there was a guy, that his buddies couldn't get him in to see Jesus. He was crippled, so they cut a hole in the roof, and they let him down. And Jesus looks right at him and says, your sins are forgiven. Don't you wonder if that guy's laying there going, uh, well, thanks a lot, dude, but uh, it's these legs that aren't working. That's what I need help with. This is not going to do me a lot of good. Except Jesus knew it did do him a lot of good. That that was the bigger issue, was the spiritual issue, not the physical one. And, and Paul handles this physical annoyance with a spiritual answer. Maybe those exasperating people in your life are an opportunity for grace. Maybe God is giving you an opportunity to utilize His power. The power of Jesus is unequaled. You can amen that. The power of Jesus is unequaled. We just sang about it. Our fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in His love. We've got to be able to declare that and believe that deep in our, our core. And the story goes on that says in verse 20 that the city was in an uproar because of them. Look at verse 19. It said, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. I liked it in the New Living Translation. I thought that they saw money going away. And so they whipped up this crowd and they get him, get these guys. They beat them. It says in here they stripped them. So... There's going to be some humiliation involved, some physical pain involved, bloodshed, and then throw them in prison, and as if to make it worse, tell that jailer, these boys don't get out. You make sure they don't get out. So they put them in the inner dungeon, in the stocks, lock their legs so they can't walk or crawl or anything. Now, if you've been with us any amount of time, we've talked about prisons and that culture. Was, that was not a good thing. That was a very, very bad thing. There was not air conditioning. These were dungeons. You lived in your own filth. And if you ate, it's because people, friends of yours, brought you food. If you didn't have friends in the area, you starved to death. There were rats. There were, this was the, the lowest of the low. This is a bad day. But note what they did. 
Know what Paul and Silas did. They sang. They prayed. They acted like they really believed that God was for them. They actually acted like they trusted God. Why is this so hard of a concept for us to grasp in 2023? Please understand, I'm not griping at any of you. This is all aimed at me. You just got to get stuck listening to it. First, the question we need to ask is, do we trust God? And then second, we need to ask, do we act like we trust God? See, any of us can walk around saying, oh, I declare trust in God. Anybody can say, I go to church. But do we, do we depend on Him? Do we live on Him? And do we act it out in our words and our actions? Because people will see that. Praising God in bad situations is noteworthy. Others in that prison noticed. I don't know how many were there. Four, four hundred. Who knows? It just said there were prisoners, plural. And it helped them. Guess what? It helps others here, too. There is a Savior who knows my every need. That's the very first words that we sang today. There is a Savior who knows my every need. We went right into that. How great thou art. We know these things. And note, this is not fake worship. This is not, everything's terrible, but I'm going to put a smile on and act like everything's great. No, this is declaring the greatness of God. It's acting like we think God knows what He's doing. In 20, June of 2022, a year ago, just about a, a little over a year ago, and I need you to hear this. The American Psychological Association did a survey of 5,000 Americans. Now, here are who it came from. That's why this is really important. American Psychological Association, not a church organization. They surveyed all kinds of people all over America. Black, white, Hispanic, rich, poor, Republican, Democrat, everything. You get some men, some women, all, all backgrounds. And they asked them a plethora of questions. One of the questions was asked, does the future of our nation give you significant stress? That was the question in the survey, one of them. 83% said yes. What that means is we're all stressed. All of us are. We're all dealing with it. We're all worrying about the future. We're all worried. It was up 17% in one year. That is Republican and Democrat. That is rich and poor. That is anything. Most of us are stressed about that. All of us are dealing with it. Why then are Christ followers in such huge numbers being the loudest whiners and complainers? Why? Where is our trust? Where is our, this is how I fight my battles? Do we just sing that on Sunday? Or do we live that out? I'm going to fight my battles on my knees. I'm going to fight my battles by declaring His greatness because that's what Paul and Silas did they were beaten they were humiliated they were imprisoned and their first response sing if I'm being straight up honest not Don Thomas's first response right you throw me in prison beat me up all this kind of stuff I'm whining belly aching calling for a lawyer I'm doing anything I can do right these guys lived what they said you hear phrases throughout Scripture, they considered it worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. Peter says it, James says it, Paul says it. They, they thought 
getting beat up for Jesus was great. We don't seem to have that spirit, do we? Where is that spirit in us? Because that spirit affected those other prisoners. Look close at the text. I want you to see this. In verse 26, verse 26, suddenly there was a massive earthquake. Isn't it coincidental that the tectonic plates in that particular moment decided to shake, right? It wasn't coincident. Suddenly there was an earthquake. The prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. All and every. Did we get that? I don't know how many prisoners were in there, but let's be realistic. Surely somebody wanted out of there. Hey, man, I've been in here for months. I, I'm, I don't care about you people, but I'm out of here. See you, peace. And, and I'm leaving. Nobody left. Why? Why did nobody leave? It's my opinion, but I believe they saw something that was going on that they had to see how this worked out. Like, okay, this is crazy, but I, I'm not leaving. I got to see the end of this movie. Friends, your faith impacts people. Period. How you deal with pain might be someone's point of impact for Christ. It might be somebody else's learning. You see, what they did in the pain was a point of impact for all of those prisoners around them. In 1805, a guy named Sir Francis Beaufort was an admiral in the British Navy. And he was struggling with how to how and when to put up the sails in their warships for England. He wanted to find a way to know when to put the sails up because, you know, if it's too windy or what. And so he came up with something called the Beaufort Scale. The Beaufort Scale is still used today. It goes from zero, which is the lowest, and that level is called calm. Twelve is called hurricane. Thirteen is portalis in March. But, um... They don't print that one in real big letters. No, okay, 0 to 12, meaning the least to the worst, right? 0, though, is called calm. It means the wind is blowing less than a mile per hour, one knot, and it's called calm. Calm is an interesting word. I looked it up in the dictionary. Most of the definitions for calm tell you what it's not. They don't tell you what it is. They tell you calm is not agitated, not afraid. It's the absence of worry. It's not turbulent. It tells you what it's not. It doesn't really tell you what it is. We know what it is. Let me ask you this. Do you know people that live crisis to crisis? You know what I mean? Disaster to disaster, drama to drama. Now, maybe that's some of you. And if that's you, please hear my words. You don't have to live that way. Our Jesus gives us hope, and, and it can affect our finances, it can affect our, our attitude, it can affect our family drama. You don't have to live that way. But I would be willing to bet most of us in here know somebody that lives that way. True? How does that affect you? After a while, doesn't that get kind of exhausting? Exasperating? Another? It just seems like you can't get out of your own way. I wonder, does that impact our joy? Paul and Silas were in a terrible situation, and they remained calm. 
Our culture, that's not a cool thing. In our culture, it's zero to 60, right? That referee called that foul on my kid. That driver was terrible, right? You know, I mean, we just, it goes up quick. Where is our calm? They didn't, Paul and Silas didn't let the situation dictate their joy. That's what Dennis said last week in his communion meditation. Don't let the situation dictate your joy. Rudyard Kipling wrote a a big poem, an epic poem called If. If you're an English teacher in here, give me extra credit for knowing that. And one of the lines in there, it says, If you can keep your head when all around you are losing theirs. It goes on for stanzas and stanzas. But the last stanza it says is, Then yours is the earth and everything that's in it. It says, If you can do that, you'll be a man, my son. If you can keep calm when everybody else is losing their mind. You see, Paul and Silas chose to stay in their suffering rather than escape it. They chose to stay in prison. They, they didn't escape. How many of us would have loved to gone to Fiji during the middle of COVID and not, I mean, if you got to stay at home and watch nothing, might as well watch it on the beach. How great would that be? But that's our human nature. We would often rather get out of our pain than work through it. There's rows at the grocery store of pain relievers. True? We want, you, we want you to have relief from your pain. We want you to escape your pain. And what if, what if maybe God is going to use that pain to, to impact somebody? You see, that example of Paul and Silas staying in their pain impacted the jailer. I believe Paul had to know that God is going to do something good here. I don't know what it is, but God's going to do something. Listen to me now. Some of you are in a hard place. Could God use that hard place to help somebody else? Now, somebody, some of you might in your mind be going, I don't get this, Don. This isn't, things are going pretty well for me. Great. Hallelujah. But that's not everybody in here. That's not everybody online. You're dealing with stuff. You're dealing with junk. Can someone grow from your pain because authentic worship is powerful real authentic worship and i'm not talking the kind that puts your fake face on and smile i'm too blessed to be stressed when everything's falling apart no because sometimes worship is not even words coming out it's just standing there and tears running down your face anybody there's been plenty of times I can't even get the words out. Sometimes it's being at church when I don't feel like being at church. I've had a lot of good examples of that in my life and certainly in this church family. I'm drawn to think of Joanne Vickers. We lost sweet Joanne about a year ago. And if you knew Joanne's story and her her history, and she would just fight to get here. Every week, every time she possibly could. She lived about a block down there across from Franklin Marie. She would walk down here, freak us all out, scare us to death, snow and ice. She's out there with her walker. She just had to get here. And, and it wasn't a guilt thing. She wanted to be here. That's a, man, that example. I heard several young mothers go, wow. I mean, I, I, I have a hangnail and I'm not going, you know. And this lady goes through all she goes through just to get here. I need to learn from that. There's tons of others. Peggy Jones, Ken Broad, Ken and Shirley. Shirley's not healthy enough to get out and do everything. So many of you may not know this. 
Ken and Shirley drive around and pray for you. They literally drive around our town, burning up gas, driving down streets, praying for houses. They don't know which one you live in, but they're going to pray for everybody in that house. When the ones they know, they pray by name. Ginger Peterson. These are people that keep fighting through pain. Their presence is showing us how to work through pain. You see, when we surrender our suffering to Him, it doesn't make our our suffering go away. It makes the oppression of our suffering go away. We may still have the pain, but God, You carry it. He says, "My my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I'll carry it. And it impacts others. You see, what they did in the hard places made a difference. But do you realize what we don't do in hard places often is as important as what we do. They didn't run. They didn't escape. They didn't blame. I told you, that's my, that'd be my first. Who's, somebody's getting sued, all right? I'm, so I'm in prison for this. This is a rotten deal, all right? They didn't make excuses. They didn't hide their faith. They showed up and they showed out. I wonder, this is not in Scripture and I don't have an answer. Did Paul beg those other prisoners to stay? I, 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 genuinely, I don't know. Why did they stay? That's got to be the hardest sell of all time. right? Hey, why don't you all stay in prison with us for a little while? We're going to have s'mores later. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. How do, how do you make that sell? Uh, these guys are like, uh-uh, man, I am out Oh, here. But it said they all stayed. And the jailer's response has been the chant of thousands of sermons. What must I do to be saved? You've heard that, right? That we grew up, I grew up in a church, and you hear that, you know, the, they prayed and they sang, and then this jailer came in and said, what must I do to be saved? Now, I stared at that for a long time, and it may be exactly what we've always heard. I'm not in any way accusing any other sermon of being wrong. I'm just saying, what if there's something else that he's asking? What if he's not asking this great theological question, what must I do to be saved and, you know, have a little halo and, and beautiful lights behind him? What if he's, what if he's scared and he's asking, what do I do? You see, because in that culture, if you let prisoners out, you had to finish out their sentence. And if all of these prisoners escape, the Romans are going to kill this guy. They're going to kill his family. They're probably going to kill his family in front of him. This is going to be horrible. I'm just going to follow my sword. And Paul's going, hey, man, we're all here. It's all right. Don't, don't do anything rash. And then he, he blurts out this. What if he's asking a physical question? What do I do? Anybody ever been there? What am I going to do, God? What am I going to do? And Paul responds to a physical question with a spiritual answer. You notice, he didn't promise them they'd be rich. He didn't promise them that they'd be exempt from all the consequences. Nothing bad's going to happen to you because you prayed the little prayer and everything's great, right? Because if you follow the story in the rest of that chapter, there were consequences. Paul and Silas went back to preaching. They wanted to know, why are these guys out of jail? That guy had to get called on the carpet. There were consequences. Friends, we still have consequences. But our, our faith should save us. And it does. Shannon Etheridge is a writer for 
Campus Life magazine. And she tells a story of a bad day when she was an 11th grader, junior in high school. She was driving to school and doing what a lot of, I'm, I'm assuming, girls have done in the past. I'm not accusing anyone, but they might have moved the mirror and they might have been doing ear, makeup and lipstick. Anybody? You know, and so they, she's driving along and she hears a thump. And she doesn't know what it is, so she pulls over. And she had hit a woman on a bicycle. And she's freaking out and calling the police. And, and the woman doesn't make it. And so they're talking about arresting this junior in high school. And, and she's just, I mean, that's a nightmare for anybody. But for a high school, for a teenage girl, that's, oh my goodness. How do, you, how do you recover from that? How do you deal with that? What am I going to do? She's just absolutely weeping, falling apart. And her, her family, they're Christians, and they, they prayed together, and they got all the church together, and they, they found out about the funeral for this woman. And they were having a family. The family gathering was the night before. And she mustered up the courage with her parents to go to this house. She forced herself to go see this now widowed husband. These kids that don't have a mom anymore. And she writes this. As I entered the house, I looked down the corridor to see a big, burly, middle-aged man coming right at me. But it wasn't with animosity in his eyes. Rather, with his arms open wide. His name is Gary Jarfser. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. But Gary is a Christian. Gary, in fact, worked for Wycliffe Bible Translators. He worked in a parachurch ministry. And he runs up to this girl, are you okay? Are you all right? I mean, did you get hurt? Did you? And she's just weeping. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did. I'm so sorry. And he just hugs her and consoles her. And then he pulls her away. And she wrote this. This is what he said. And I want to quote it directly. This is the widowed husband says this to the girl that killed his wife. God wants to strengthen you through this. He wants to use you. As a matter of fact, I'm passing on Marjorie's legacy of being a godly woman on to you. I want you to love Jesus without limits, just like she did. He went on and went to the police and fought and demanded they drop the charges there were no charges she it was it was truly an accident and he began to look out for her but what is really interesting to me in that whole story is gary acted like this jesus business is real he acted like what we say we're supposed to do he loved in the middle of pain was he in pain oh I I can't even fathom the pain this guy was in. He was absolutely in pain. But grace, oh, the amazing grace of God is real. And and it is alive. And we need to be that impact. How we act in our pain is often more impactful than our words. And our pain might be somebody else's point of impact. Because let's be honest, everybody's going through something, right? Everybody's dealing with something. Might be divorce, might be family issues, might be financial issues, might be health issues, might be nothing that we know about. 
So let me ask you a few quick questions as we get ready to close. The praise team starts making their way up here. How are you reacting to your struggles? What is your worship like? Is it just a Sunday morning thing? Is it just a once in a while thing? Or is it real? What about those people that bug you? Those exasperating moments. Is God calling you right now to be an agent of grace? An agent of impact? Friends, one of the songs we sing is, If I'm not dead, then you're not done. If you're here, God has a purpose for you. I am not in any way trying to minimize anyone's pain. And maybe you need somebody to pray with. We have some prayer warriors that will meet you in our prayer room, which is right off to the side there. So you don't have to, everybody stare at you, come forward. Maybe you just stick around and we'll stick around and pray with you. Or call us this week and let's, let's have coffee and let's talk. But don't leave this place doubting how much he loves you. Doubting how much your pain means he's mad at you. No, our God loves you. And I want you to hear that. He is a way maker and he keeps his promises. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.